Okay, good morning, Shavua Tov. Today's daf is daf Kuf Tesvav. We'll go right from the top of the daf, um, Kuf Tesvav, Amur Aleph, 115a. So, the Mishnah and the Gemara up to here were discussing if you, someone steals and they sell it and then the owner gets to get his stolen property back. So the halacha is, I mean, and we don't know the thief, so... The halacha is he gets to take the object back, his object that was stolen. However, there's what's called the takonas hashuk, that he has to pay the lokach. Um, I think it would just be this, this lokach, as will, I mean, will come out, but he had no reason to suspect the person he was borrowing from had stolen it. And if every time someone gets to take their object back, you're going to make the, the lokach is going to lose out, it's going to make things very difficult in the marketplace. So therefore, um, he, he, the owner has to pay the lokeach. And yeah, and I'll try to remember as we go through, but just to clarify the parties we're discussing, there's the owner, that's the original owner who the item was stolen from. There's the thief and the lokeach, the buyer, the person who bought it from the thief. So that's all where you don't know the thief. Now we're going to discuss what happens if you do know the thief. If they find the thief. So who can the, who gets to claim the item from who? Does like, like the, the, the owner, can he go to the lokach or can he only go to the thief who actually stole it from him, etc. So it's if it was stolen and sold and then they find the thief. Rav Omar Hadin in Harishon. Rav in the name of Rabbi Chia says the din in Harishon, he can only go to the thief. So I want to collect the item that was stolen from me, the Balabai. He goes to the thief. Rabbi Yochanan, Mishmei, the Rabbi Yana, Omar Adine, Mashemi. No, you can even go to the second person. Now we can have a few different ways of uh, of understanding this machlokes. Why, why, according to Rav, can you only go to the thief? And according to Rabbi Yochanan, you can go to both. One of the key points that this is hinged on is remember what we saw of Chizda a few days ago. He says if it's before the owner has Yayush, and you take it or eat it, even though you didn't, someone else stole it, and then you go to their house and you eat it, or you buy it or something from them. If it's before the owner has yayosh, that's as if you took it from their house, from the thief's house. So that would be the simplest way to say this much like this, and it will be one of the versions, we're just going to have four different opinions, um, is that, yeah, so according to Rav Chizda, both the thief and the lokach are viewed as having taken it from the owner's house and he can collect payment from either of them. But let's see, Omar of Yosef and Lopligi, they're not arguing. That's exactly like I said. Kanlif ne Yayush. Here is before Yayush. Hadini Mashani. Then the din is also with the Shani. So Rabbi Yochanan speaking before Yayush and that's why he can go to the thief or the second person, the Lokayach. Um, Kan and Rav is the Achar Yayush. Hadini Marish and it's after Yayush therefore he can only go to the thief. If the owner had Yayush and then the thief stole it, this third party, the Lokach, isn't a thief at all. And therefore the, he can only claim it from the thief. Um, but they both hold for that principle of Rav Chizda. And again, if it's before Yayush, you view when whoever takes it, as long as the owner hasn't had Yayush, you view it as if it's been taken from his house. Again, obviously we're not saying the second person is a sinner. He didn't know it was stolen or whatever. But in regards to determining the ownership and how we do that, he would be as if he took it from the thief's house.
You're telling me they don't pligi, they don't argue. I'm going to show you that Rab doesn't hold like you just said. The gifts that are supposed to be given to the Kohen are considered before Yash. Whenever, whenever you shaft an animal, you're supposed to give certain parts to the Kohen. Matnos Kohuna, they actually referred to as the Matanos, but remember we saw a few days ago they're actually 24 gifts. But what's referred to as the Matnos Kohuna, these parts, I don't remember what's it, Zorevele Chayim Vekeva, I think it is. Some part of the stomach, the cheekbone, and the foreleg, if I, if I remember correctly, that's what we're referring to. But either way, one of them is included in the innards of the animal. So it's before Yash because the Kohen always kind of expects he's going to get his Matnos Kohuna, why would someone not give them? And we see there's an argument there, the Tanan. So it's before Yash and there's an argument. The Tanan, as we learned in the Mishnah, if someone comes to the butcher and he says, sell me the innards of the animal, and the matnois, the gifts that were supposed to go to the Kohen, were included in them. He has to give those gifts. So he goes and he buys all the innards of the animal. He says, oh, that cow, I'll buy the innards of it. And included in those innards, he has to give the gift to the, the buyer, gives the gifts to the client, and he can't say, well, look, now I'm a kilogram less than initially to pay me back. However, if he buys by weight, then he gives it to the client and he can... Um, detract from what he what he has to pay the butcher. Again, here he says, I'll buy 10 kilograms of innards, and the, the butcher gives him, and one of those kilograms are really matnos kuhuna, then he doesn't have, he must still give it to the kohen, but the butcher suffers the cost. Now, this is Rav. So this is the opinion who we said was speaking about um, who, who we said agreed with Rav Chizde. says, Rav, lo shonu ele atmo. That's where he weighed it out for himself. If the tevach was the one who weighed the meat, the innards for this guy, then the din is with the tevach. What does that mean? The kohen must go claim from the tevach, from the butcher, because he's like a thief. If he's weighing it out, he knows he's putting the ma'anus kuhuna there, and he put it there on purpose. So what's he doing? He's stealing from the kohen and giving it to this guy. So therefore, who does the thief? Now, we would have thought, the thief, if uh, this is before Yehosh, so the, the Kohen can go either to the buyer or to the butcher. And what does it say? So we see very clearly that Rav's holding, even before Yehosh, he can only go to the first. So the command says, no, say that not also he can go to the Tevach. What would you have thought? Just going to change some of the words around here to make it read a little bit. Matnos kohuna einun igzeles. The matnos kohuna are never considered stolen. Kamash malan that they are actually considered stolen. And why would you say the matnos kohuna are never stolen? Because they're a gift that Hashem grants the kohen. So wherever they are in the world, there's still that gift that the that He grants the kohen. And we're saying no, we still view it when the when the butcher consciously gives them away. He's stealing. And, that, and we view it as theft, and that's why the um, the kohen can also claim from the thief. Okay, so that's the so that verifies. So Rabbi Yosef's way of learning is valid. That there's no real machloikes Rav and Rabbi Yochanan whether you can collect only from the thief or even from the lokeach. 
Um, they just they would they they're not arguing because it's just before or after Yash. But now the Gemara just oh Labai to Omar Pligi but my Pligi. But according to Abai and Rabbi who says that Rav and Rabbi Yosef were arguing, what are they arguing in? But Rav Chizda in Rav Chizda actually another way to explain the Machlok is Rav and Rabbi Yosef is that they're arguing whether we hold like Rav Chizda or not. Do we say that if there's stolen goods again and you didn't know that they were stolen and it's before Yash and you go and you consume them? And it says, if you took it from the thieves' house, Rav says, no, you didn't do anything. And Rabbi Yochanan says, yes, you did, like Rav Chizda. Um, a third answer to explanation for the Machlok is Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. Rav Zvid, Omar Rav Zvid says, okay, again, this way, Rashi points out, both hold like Rav Chizda. However, only gave up hope when it was already in the hands of the Rukach. I said, what, what happened here? This item was stolen from you. You knew it was stolen, but you were confident you'd get it back. So you didn't have yet. Subsequently, the item was sold. And a few weeks later, you're like, no, the police haven't managed to track it down now. I'm never going to get it back. So you have yet. But it's already in the Lokas property. And then he explains. He said, But there was not Yehosh in the hands of the thief. And this is what Rav and Rabbi Yechanan are arguing about. The one opinion holds there has to be Yehosh and then change of ownership for it to be acquired. But if there's change of ownership and then Yehosh, then it does not require Omar Sobar and the other opinion holds Loshna makes no difference. So very interesting. Just remember when we say Kone because this, as we said, this item is really always viewed as if it's in the owner's property until something happens that the thief or someone acquires it then now it's theirs. That doesn't mean that the thief's now off the hook. It just means that this item is no longer considered the original owners. This item would not have to be returned. So one of the things, one of the major opinions is that you need Yehosh. Yehosh is not enough. And just changing ownership if the thief just sells it enough is not enough. You need Yehosh, the owner to give up hope, and Shinurishus, and it to change jurisdiction. What happens if it happens in the other order? So here, when the thief's holding it and the owner gives up hope of ever getting it back, when he subsequently sells it, that makes a lot of sense that it's now the new owners. And obviously the thief still owes it, but it's the new owners. But what happens if he sells it and only then the owner gives up hope? There was when it changed jurisdiction into this Lokeas property, it was it's still considered the original owners because he hasn't had Yayush. So now that he subsequently has Yayush, that's like retroactively the change of um, the change of Rishus uh, kick in. So that's the Machloikes Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. Um, Rav says it does, and therefore the only person that the owner, the Barabais, can claim from is the thief, the Rishon. And Rabbi Yochanan says no, it's uh, with the second part. It's even with the second party. Sorry, other way around. Yeah, yeah, Rav says it does make a difference, and Rabbi Yochanan says it makes no difference. Okay, fourth explanation of the Maholoi Kez Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. No, when you're discussing the coat, either actual item that was stolen, no one argues you have to give it back to the original owner. I so it's whether you're going whether the thief 
or the person, the lokaf, the person who bought it from the thief. However, basically what we're going to say, and also it's before Yayush, I like Rav Chizda says, um, the question here is, do we say Takonos Hashem? Now, as, we, as I mentioned at the beginning of Shev, when you don't know who the thief is, so I recognize my article that Ruvain bought. We don't know who the thief was. Sorry, that Ruvain bought, but Ruvain bought it from a thief. That's the previous stuff. How do we prove that, etc.? But it's clear that it's my article was stolen from me. So what did we say? Strictly speaking, I can take it back because it's mine. I didn't have yet. However, Takonas Ashuk, I must pay him for it. Again, and then theoretically in the future when we find the thief, he'll sue, or whoever sold it to him, he'll sue them. But... That's all where we don't know who the thief is. We make the lokeach pay, uh, sorry, we make the balabais pay the lokeach for this item that really belongs to him. Strictly speaking, you shouldn't have to pay it, it was stolen from you. But that's the takonas hashuk. Do we say the takonas hashuk in this scenario when we know who the thief is? So I'm looking for my object and I go to the lokeach and I say, give me my item back. What does the lokeach say? Pay me for it. What about Takonas Hashuk? Do we say, since we know who the thief is, maybe he can't sue me to pay him back. Who should he be? He should then go to the person who sold it to him, the thief. So that's the question here. They're arguing in this case, do we say Takonas Hashuk? I, where we know the thief is, says Rabbi Shmeida Rabbi Chia Omar Hadini Marishon. Rabbi, in the name of Rabbi Chia, says the Dini Marishon. What does that mean? Dina de Lokeach de Lishkol Zuzimiganov. The law also about Takonas Hashuk. He can only go to the first person, the thief, and he and there's no Takonas Hashuk. He can't claim it back from the Balabais. Rabbi Yochanan Mishum de Rabbi Yana Omar Hadini Mashani. No, he can even go after the Balabais. The law is that the Lokach can actually take from the Balabayas and, and we do make Takonas Hashuk. And then obviously the Balabayas will go to the thief. But that's the, that's the main Allah. So interestingly enough, it comes out that the first three opinions when we were arguing who gets from who, the question was, can the owner, can the Balabayas, go to either the thief or the lokeach. That was the first three versions. What are we changing it now? We're saying, can the lokeach, whose items now been confiscated and returned to the original owner, sue only the thief or even the balabaya? So you see, we're changing. Papa's answer has changed who's the, what's it, who's the subject of the discussion. Okay, the Sober Rav also bought Takonos Hashuk. Does Rav really hold that they did not make this Takonos Hashuk? Rav Huna was a student of Rav. So we kind of expect, unless you can show me otherwise, we kind of expect Rav Huna to be following in the same halachas as his Rebbe Rav. Chanan Bisha means evil. So Chanan the wicked. Chanan the wicked. Sounds like a, what, a guy out of a fairy tale. Chanan <laughs> the evil. Gonav Glima Vizadne. He stole a jacket and he sold it. Also, he came to Rav Huna and he came before Rav Huna. Omar Leilahu. And he said to the Balabais, Zir Shori Avotech, go redeem your pledge. I, you go pay back the Lokeach. I, so when the owner found, realized that his jacket was with this Lokeach, he took him to court and Rafuna said, Yeah, but you have to pay him. 
you, the owner, have to pay the lokach back, and you're going to have to go sue Hanan Visha. But what do we see? That Rav clearly, Rav, we're assuming Rav Huna goes like his Rebbe Rav, and Rav does hold there's a Takon Asashuk. The Balabais has to pay the lokach. So he says, no, Chani Shanan Visha, given the Laikilish Tulumimine, Kalohu Kirdami. No, Hanan Bish is a different scenario because since he, he doesn't have anything to pay back with, it's as if there's no thief. Either look, everyone knows that Hanan Bish doesn't have any money, so now when this Lokayach, when I take my item back from the Lokayach, the Lokayach is going to have no way to get his money back because everyone knows the thief doesn't. So therefore we say, I have to pay him. Okay, Omarova in Gonam of Ursam Hula also by Takonasashuk, if it's a well known thief, then we don't do Takonasashuk. Why not? That's pretty obvious. You buy goods from a guy who's known as a thief, expect them to be confiscated from you. You can't come along and say, well, I want to uh, restore, uh, it's, it's not fair, I bought it, I didn't know, and now, like, uh, how much, how's the market going to work? No, you knew you were buying it from a thief. And Oh, but Hanan but Bisha was well-known. That's his name, Hanan the Evil. He's well known. So what do you mean? And we see that Rav Huna did do Takana Sashuk. He says, no. He, he was well known as being evil, but no one really knew that he was a thief. So he had, uh, he had a reputation for other acts, but not theft. And now we see that, okay, actually he also turns out to be a thief. Um, I was thinking it was always a big discussion. I'm actually not sure how it works, but you know, like buying uh, sunglasses or those things from the guys on the side of the road. I mean, I don't know where they get their goods from, but I remember when I was younger, people say you're not allowed to buy from them because it's stolen goods or whatever. Is it true, or do they just buy it from uh, cheap uh, Chinese ripoffs? It's, it's too much of the same thing going on again and again. And again. Yeah, so that's what I was always thinking. Like, yeah. I thought they just got away. Cheap Chinese knockoffs of uh, Adidas and Oakley and this and that, but not that it was actually stolen. But if it, if if let's say you can assume that this sort of thing is stolen, then uh, then you shouldn't then you shouldn't be buying it. And if you do buy it and it's confiscated from you because they found the real, you can't complain. But it's not fair, I don't think. Um, I mean, if you want to be more complicated, you can go into buying uh, what's it counterfeit. Counterfeit goods. Yeah. If they, I mean, I don't know what the rules are with knockoffs and things like that. And then um, the other one is, I mean, no one, I guess, uses them anymore. But I remember they also used to sell pirated DVDs. Those days, yeah. Those, those were often you could tell. I yeah, mean, you could, could see the printing, the printing was wrong. Or <laughs> I remember. Uh, at a friend watching, and then you just see someone walk across the screen. <laughs> Tommy, someone had been sitting in the movie theater with their record. <laughs> but that would be, um, yeah, so that would be that uh, question. Um, okay, on to, I mean, along these lines, but a new point. Itmar, Gonovu Parabachoiba, Gonovu Parabachoiba. What happens if someone stole something and used it to pay back a loan or to pay back shop credit? So law also bought takonas hashuk. In that case, they did not make a takonas hashuk. I, when you go and take the item back from the creditor, you can't claim. Um, the creditor can't say. Sorry. Let me just get this wrong. The creditor can't sue you for uh, the value of the item that you've confiscated from him. To all my why. You didn't give him anything specifically for these items. 
You gave, you lent him money a month ago. All of a sudden you get these items to pay back the loan. That wasn't why you lent him money. Therefore, you, it's not undermining the, the market. Again, the case where we're discussing selling is the guy pays, oh, that's a nice uh, jacket, that's exactly what I need. Here's a uh, 500 Rand for it, whatever it is, and you get the jacket. So there, when the jacket's taken, you say pay him back for the jacket because he, and he laid out, he didn't know it was stolen and he laid out the money for it, so pay him back for it. Um, however, here, when he lent him the money, the 500 Rand, a month ago, that wasn't for the jacket. So now that he's received the jacket, you take the jacket back and give it to the real owner and the lender loses out. Mashkonta, what happens if we're discussing a pledge? However, Shavumos and Bermeya, the pledges were 200 for a loan of 100. Also, bought Takonos Ashuk. In that case, we do make Takonos Ashuk. The owner is expected to pay back the creditor. Shavay Bashavay, if it's equal amount, I, it's an item worth 100 for a loan of 100. A Maymar Omar law also bought Takonos Ashuk. Umazutra Omar also bought Takonos Ashuk. A Maymar says they did not make Takonos Ashuk. And Rav says that uh, Mazutra said they did make Takonos Ashuk. Again, here it's a little bit cl- closer because he gave him the loan for the pledge on, with the security in mind. I, you want to borrow money from me? Okay, what's going to happen if you can't pay back? Here's my watch in case you can't pay back. So now that's, that's not exactly a sale. I'm not giving you money for the watch, but I'm only lending you the money so that I, knowing that I have this watch as security. So there, it's, as you can see, it's between a regular paying back a loan with stolen goods and an actual sale. So that's why we have the Machloikas here. Zvinei Shovei Beshovei Ashuk. If the art, if he sold stolen goods for their correct value, then there is Takonas Ashuk. Meyer Bemosayim. If he stole something worth 100 which he sold for 200 in all these cases we do say except for someone who's using stolen goods to pay back a loan or to pay back store credit okay avimi nozai he lent, he was owed four zuz by this one person. So the, the thief stole a coat, the, the borrower stole a coat, came and gave it to him, and then borrowed another four. So now we're trying to understand is the coat paying back for the loan, which as we've just seen, if you pay back a loan with stolen goods, there's no takonas ashuk. Or is the loan a security? Sorry, is the coat a security for the other four? And now you would get takonas ashuk. 
So they oh, yeah, so the story unfolds. They saw Karaganov, then they found the thief, also the Kamid Ravina, and they came before Ravina. So very interestingly, I mean I was quite surprised. He's going they they're going to the court case before Ravina. Obviously Ravina was one of the Gadol Ador, so you're gonna want him as your judge, but still would you go with the <laughs> with the son in law to uh would you go to the what's his yacht to his son in law? He, he he better rule like his father in law, otherwise he's gonna be in trouble at next uh, Shabbos dinner. Um, but yeah, it seems if you if if you're happy to trust a relative, maybe you can rely on a relative. Omar Kama Gonav He says the first four zuz and the coat comes as a payment for a loan, and therefore the creditor doesn't have to give back anything. The father-in-law Avimi Baranazai doesn't have to give back anything. But Hanach. Arbazuz, the second four zuz, Harabazuz Yachrini, Shokul Zuzay Faharaglime. You can, you only have to return the coat if he pays you. I, in regards to the first four zuz, the coat was repayment for a loan. And he says, we don't say Takonas Hashuk when a loan is repaid. But it is also a mashkon for the second four zuz where we do say Takonas Hashogim. Matkif Lorav Kohen. Rav Kohen uh, challenged him. Interesting name. We've had a few interests. We had a Rebbe, who was it uh, recently? Rabbeinu Aaron, and now Rabbeinu Kohen in the last few days. Like names we don't see often in the Gemara. No, he says, maybe the coat was payment for the first. So, yeah, so, so the previous way was viewing almost the coat as a mashkon for a second loan. He's like, the forces I'm not paying you back right now, but here's a coat as a security for my second. Can I borrow another four? And he's obviously happy, and as you're going to say, just as he trusted him for the first four, he's trusting him for the thing. But the second, and that's the coat is just a security. But now he says, Wait, I might have got mixed things up. Let's just see. Um, sorry, it says, Maybe the first, the coat was given as payment for the first four. And that's someone using stolen goods to pay back a loan or store credit. And the second set, he believes him like he believed him for the first one. Just as he gave him four sous without any security last month, and now he's been paid back with a coach, he's going to give him another four sous, trusting him. And therefore there's no, um, there isn't, there's a mashkot, um, oh, sorry, there's no mashkon at play here. So he says, The matter uh, well, literally rolls around, but it, uh, the news spread about this court case, and it reached Rebbe Yavol. The glimmer is given in payment of the first loan, not as a mashkon for the second loan, and therefore there's no takonas hashukot the glimmer. And the second source is just another independent loan. Narsha, gone of Safra. Um, all these are places we're going to see Narsha, Papunai, etc. They're all names of. So Narsha, gone of Safra. And a person from Narsha stole a book. Zane le Papunai, and he sold it to Papunai, but Tim Nimzus for 80 Zuz. Also Papunai, Zane le Pamachuza, the Maya Beshim Zuz. And this Papunai went and sold it for 120 Zuz. Says the Sofu Karaganov, in the end they found the thief. So Omar Abayelazel Mar de Safra let the owner of the book 
go and pay the mechuzoin, that was the person who paid 124, but let him just pay 80. The shock he'll suffer about and he can take the book. Why is that? Because the item that was stolen from him was sold for 80 zoos. So that's all he should have to pay to get it back. And the person from Barmukhazai, that buyer, that second buyer, can claim the extra 40 that he's now short from the Papunai. Yeah. If we make a Takonasashuk for the person who actually bought it from the thief, how much more so are we going to say Takonasashuk from the one who actually bought it? From someone who bought it from the thief. He's, what he's done is even less problematic because he bought it from someone who bought it from a thief. So therefore, what are we saying? You want to take, you want to get your item back? So you go pay the guy from Mechuzah 120, the full 120, to get your item back. He's now going to claim the full 120 from the Papunai. And the Papunai will only be out of pocket 80. He'll sue the thief for that. Yeah. He can collect the yeah, the owner sorry the owner of the book who now has paid this out he can collect uh, eighty from sorry forty from the Papunayan and Timnim from the Narsha. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Very interesting case. We've actually seen a similar case much earlier in the Masechta, but this is similar. This one's walking along with a barrel of wine, and this one's walking along with a barrel of honey. The honey's worth a lot more than the wine. He saw his friend's um, honey barrel had cracked and the honey was spilling. So what did he do? He poured out his wine and his cat caught all the honey for him, saved all his honey. Aim, well, what would you say the halacha should be? What should the, what should the owner of the honey have to pay the owner of the wine? So that's what we would have thought. But it says, he only has to pay him for his work. Rashi points out the, P, the fee for borrowing his clee, this wine barrel, and the clee for him, what would you pay someone to cat to pour, to transfer the honey? We'll come, I will come back to the reason. Let's just see. The Imam Arifi says, says, I'll only save your honey if you pay me for my wine. Chayab, then he would be Chayab then he would be obligated to pay the wine. Let's see a very similar case. Obviously, we're showing going into why such a, another similar case, but let's just see. There's a two, his donkey and his friend's donkey have been spread, uh, swept down the river. His is only worth 100 and his friend is worth 200. So he jumps in. He sa- instead of saving his own, which was only worth 100, he saves his friend, which was worth 200. So he doesn't get to sue him for a full 100. He can only sue him for how much would you pay someone to jump into the river and save your donkey? So if he says, 
I will save what is yours if you pay me back for mine, then he would be obligated to pay you. So now, what's the explanation? So I saw there are only a few slight variations, but the Nazis, uh, he introduces a few interesting concepts uh, in the Shittimukubete, so I'm going to bring it from uh, there. So he says as follows. The owner of the honey can say, well, what's the mitzvah here? Do you have an obligation to sacrifice your wine to save his honey? So no, we know, and he says that's the rule of if you have Avedos of Avedos Chavera, Shalot Odemes. If you can either, your animal ran out the gate and you see your friend's animal also ran out the gate, whose last object do you give precedence? To your own. Regardless of the value, your property comes before your friend's property. So now you doing, so now this that you kindly saving his honey is what we hold. You're doing, uh, you're going beyond the letter of the law. Listen, I'm prepared to pour out my wine to save your honey. It's beyond the letter of the law. He says, So it's not a din. It's not an obligation. And therefore, it's a, it's a game. It is doing a great deed. It's going beyond the letter of the law. But there's no reward for mitzvahs in this world. So you're, you, you actually don't have a, but your action is not an obligation. And therefore, you don't have a legal claim against him for the actual honey. He says, However, the same guys, if you say to him, I don't want to do Lifnim Rishas Hadin, I don't want to do this nice act and be paid for in the future, you want me to save your honey, pay me. Well, then that's fair, because what you're saying, you're saying, I want to follow the din. The din is, I don't have to. But I know you, you might appreciate that you're going to save your honey with his worth an extra few hundred rand to pay me uh, 50 rand for my wine. Like, do you want to do that or not? And then he can decide. But that's, so he explains this, because you've, you pointing out to him, I don't want to go to the Moshe Rusatin, I want to follow the din. So I'm not going to save your honey. Unless you want to pay me for it. Okay, then he says, Of Imtoimer, in his name of Chita Trichalemaimer, Detnai, Mamon, who Bukayim, Okay, then he says, Okay, well, that's pretty obvious what's come to just, but that's a side point. He says, You might have thought, though, he says, Inami, the Afalkav, the mitzvahs albanei bris lasos, lifnim rishus hadin. There's actually a mitzvah. In a way, there is an obligation for Jews. To act beyond the letter of the law, because Tani Rav Yosef, as Rav Yosef teaches elsewhere, there's a whole pasuk where we learn out that sometimes you have to go beyond the letter of the law. One of the examples sometimes given is, let's say, a poor man loses something of value to him, and he has yayush, and a rich man finds it. So we'll say, you know, go lift Nimrishusadin and return the object. And sometimes that is actually an obligation to go beyond the letter of the law. In my mind, it's a hard thing to say, an obligation to go beyond the letter of the law. But that's what it is. There are times when it's chayyot to go to Nimrishadim. So you might have said, here, actually, even if I say to you, you know, I'll save your honey on condition you pay me back. Maybe I can't say that. Maybe I have an obligation to go with Nimrishadim in this scenario. I'm saving you a fortune. For a small loss of mine. Maybe that's Lifnim Rishadin, that is an obligation. He says, no, that's why you can say, I'll only save your honey if you'll pay me back for my wine. So that's another, that's what the novelty of saying, you know, I'll only save your honey if you save 
if, I'll only say behind if you pay me back all my wine. That like, sounds really, really obvious. Why is the Mishnah teaching? No, because you might have said you have an obligation to go beyond the letter of the law. Um, okay, there's a little bit more, but I thought that was quite an interesting way of looking at the Mishnah. This, this uh, interplay between your monetary obligations to your friend, which here we're saying, Avedos of Avedos Chaveira, the monetary calculation we look at here is your object and your friend, your lost object and your friend's lost object, yours comes first. Oh, you acted if Nimishadin. Well that's your uh, um, what's it, your prerogative. And you can't now sue him for that money in court. And on the other hand though, you can say, look, I refuse to act if Nimishadin, even though there are times when that's almost the court based in might make you higher, obligate you to act if Nimishadin. There's a case there where I'm trying to think what it was. Rav, who was it? Rav, maybe it's from there, but Rav or Rav, I don't remember, had asked porters to move some barrels for him. And they dropped them and broke them, and he sued them for the barrels. And they, they came and said, okay, look, we're, that was an accident, nothing we could do, pay us for, pay us for our day's work. <laughs> and I don't remember who the Amora was, actually said, yes, you, because of who you are, are obligated to pay them for their work. And that was okay. Let's go into the Gemara. Why? Why should he only pay the schar? I saved this honey from Hefker. This honey was lost. Very interesting. Rashi seems to learn you something that's definitely going to be lost. Definitely, when this honey falls onto the ground, it's going to be Hefker. Oh no, it's like you're not going. To. So Rashi seems to say, which I thought was quite interesting, that something that's about to be lost about to be Hefker, would already be considered Hefker. So he should say, it's my honey now. I saved it, it's my honey. I, I got it from Hefker. He says, Milo Tanya, didn't we learn? If someone was carrying um, wine and oil, and he saw that they had broken, Ah, this wine and oil that's cracked and dripping out, is my truma for what's in my house? You shouldn't say that. If he did say it, it's as if he said nothing. Is something about to be hefker, something about to be lost, is hefker. Again, we see that from trying to transfer truma. You can only transfer, so I have barrels of wine in my house that I need to separate truma on, and I have a barrel here. So I can take this as truma on those ones, but not if it's about to be hefker, because then it's not mine. So we should say the same thing with the honey in the Mishnah. No, like Rabbi Yirmiya said in another case, it's where the netting of the olive press is tied around it. So to here, it's where the netting of the olive press. I, this barrel is granted, it's got a crack in. It's tied, bound tightly, and therefore the honey is dripping out very slowly. So when you, it's actually not really all hefke. Maybe the first few drops are hefke, but most of it can be saved, and therefore it's not hefke. It says, oh, im omar lo omar klum. And then we said, oh, but if he did say, if he did say it's truma, I, okay, back to the truma case with the barrels of wine in his house and the barrels that he's transporting, and they think, if someone's traveling and he has money in his hand for honors, Connector and he sees a hijacker standing in the road in front of him. He should not say the money in my house that is transfers the kedusha onto these coins. 
But if he does say that, his words stand. Okay, we see, we see that if you might lose something, or you're losing something slowly, well, sorry, here you definitely, at the moment we're assuming you're definitely going to lose the money. Lose the money, there's a, a hijacker standing in front of you, you're going to lose your money. What, um, why, how can you say that the kudush of the fruit transfers to the money? We should say the same as we did by the truma, that you can't say the truma from that barrels of wine in my house transfer into this barrel of wine oil. No, it's where he'll be able to escape the hijacker. Well, then if he's able to save him, why can't he do it in the first place? We said he shouldn't transfer the Kedusha onto the money, but if he does, it's good. If he's able to save the hijacker, why can't he do it? It's like any other money that he would be walking around with. It says, no, um, he could say this, but it's going to be difficult. So what he's saying, he might be able to say it, he might not be able to say it. That's with money. He's, get, he's about to be going to a fight with the maga, and now will he be able to save that money? He might. So it's not that he's definitely losing the money, therefore he, can, he shouldn't, but he can transfer the Kedusha to it. Very similarly to the case of the wine that's dripping out slowly. If it's dripping out slowly, well, if, it, if, if it's dripping out slowly, sorry, then it's not Hefker. If it's gushing out the crack, then it would be Hefker and he wouldn't be able to. So just skip out the next line, put the next line in brackets. It Tome. If he has 10 barrels of Tevel Tome, what we talk, we're talking, we're going to see later, we're talking about Maser Rishon. So Maser Rishon, remember the Levi gets his Maser Rishon, and he has to separate 10% of that as Truma. So he has this Maser Rishon, and he has it. But it's Tomei. He sees one of them is broken, or, or one of them is left uncovered. Now remember, this is Gilu. If you have certain liquids left uncovered, you've got to worry that a snake drank from it and left its poison in it. Let's focus on the broken one at the moment. If he can say regarding the wine, it is the truma for the maser for its friends. So you had 10 barrels of maser, you can say the one that's leaking, you can say it's truma. But for shemen, you can't do that because it's a hefzed kohen. Basically, what the, the Gemara is equating a mana loss to a doubtful loss. The money you might or might not lose. And here, the Kohen losing Truma wine, that's Tome, is not a loss. What's the Kohen going to do? Regular wine or regular Truma he can drink. And that's valuable. But if it's Tome, what can he do with it? Uh, very, he can use it, I don't know, for fuel. We can, like, what can he use it for? That's what we're going to So it's a very little loss. That's why you can transfer the truma from Tome barrels onto another Tome barrel. But, um, sorry, what's the question? So here we see that you can, whereas earlier. Yeah. No, the case up above, why you're not allowed to, 
was because it was wrapped in the so, so you can transfer the Kedusha we don't mind you sorry we don't mind you making a truma because it's such a insignificant loss to the Kohen even some of the wine you are actually going to be saved because it's the barrels are tied tight the cracks are tied tight with this Okul Beis Habad so the wine is really, really, it's a double insignificant loss. Why? Firstly, it's tome, so its value is very little. And it's not all going to be lost, because even though it's leaking, it's tied tightly, so it's a very slow leak. So that's why you can transfer, the tr- you can take that leaking barrel as Trumas Master. However, the money, you're right, it's not certain that you're going to lose it, but you might actually lose a... Uh, but you might actually definitely lose all of it. So it's a more significant loss. And that's why ideally when you see that hijacker standing in front of you and you might be able to avoid him and save this money, you should not transfer the Kudusha to it. It's not ideal. If you do, it's valid because you might escape. So it's not like Hefker already. But you shouldn't because it's more significant loss. I was thinking in my mind, as recently a patient, do you take $1 million definitely or a 50% chance of getting $50 million. You know, whatever, whatever the numbers are, but that seems to me the similar question here. It's a, it's, a, it's a maybe save the money. How do you view that in, in regards to this wine? You'll definitely save some of it, but it's a very little value. Um, okay, so Okay, fine. So if the barrel's broken, that wine can be used. Because as we said, only a little bit's going to drip out, and the Kohen will find some use for it. What is this wine that was uncovered going to be used for? It should be a hundred it should be worth zero because as we're going to see, wine that is gilu, wine that was left uncovered, you're not allowed to use for anything. So it has zero value. It says maybe you'll say no, you can use it to sprinkle around the house. I, they used to sprinkle wine in the house for the what's it as a, for a smell, for the aroma, to make a pleasant smell. It says No, if you have wine that was unca- or water, well, this is water, but wine would have the same halacha. Uh, I don't remember the list of liquids, but it's a handful of liquids that if they become they left uncovered, they get the status of gilui. So. You're not allowed to pour it in Rosh Hashanah because someone might stand on it and uh, or and have a cut or whatever and it will poison them. You can't make mud with it. You shouldn't use it to uh, lay the dust. They used to sprinkle uh, wine or water to keep the dust down. You can't give your animal or your friend's animal this water to drink. So again, we see you're not allowed to do anything with this wine, with water, and so to wine that was left uncovered, so it should be worthless. No, you can use a strainer like Rebina Chemia said. The strainer has the halacha of gilu. Even if it's through a strainer, it would be awesome. That's where the bottom one's left uncovered. Even if the top one is uncovered, it has a thick consistency, but 
it's like a sponge, but and it will float on top. So basically what you, you have here is you're pouring one barrel of wine through a strainer into a second barrel of wine. So even so, some, I, I guess the strainer is what's covering the second barrel of wine. But the, you can assume that the, even if the top barrel is left uncovered and the snake drank from it and there's poison, it's going to sit on top of the strainer because it's a thick, the poison's thick. But wait, didn't Rabbi Simon say in the name of Rabbi Shua ben Levi that this is only where it hasn't been mixed? If it has now, straining is basically for all intents and purposes mixing the wine, so it should still be asur. It's where you put, everyone says calmly, but it's, there's something around the rim of the barrel that you're pouring it slowly and carefully, so it does catch the poison. It's not considered mixed. Okay, so where we're holding at the moment is okay, so this wine that was left uncovered. You can separate truma onto it because it still has a value because we're discussing a case where you're able to strain or whatever. You have a way to get the poison out. And therefore it's fine. And that's why you can you make that barrel the truma. According to Rebbe Chanina, can you... Nechemia. This is all based on Rebbe Nechemia that says the poison's thick and you can get it out. But do, does Rabbi Nehemiah hold you can separate Truma? You can separate Truma from Tome and Tome or Tohor on Tohor or even from Tohor on Tome. Well, not even. Tohor on Tome, but not Tome on Tohor. That's the Tanakhama. Rabbi Nehemiah, now listen to Rabbi Nehemiah. You're not allowed to separate Truma on a Tomei barrel, Tomei wine, even for other Tomei wine. So I hope that we wanted to say this has to be a case of Rem Nechemia because you can strain the poison out, but he holds you can't separate Truma, Tomei on Tomei, except for Demai. He says, no, Hachanami, Bishel Demai. Here we're actually dealing with Demai. Okay, I was, I think let's leave it here for today. Um, we're going to continue with the discussion because remember, we said this is with wine. So you have this leaking barrel of wine. You have 10 barrels of Tomei Maase Rishon and one of them's leaking or one of them was left uncovered. You can make that the truma for all the others. But we said well, you can't do that with oil. So tomorrow we're going to have to see why you can't do that with oil. That will leave a bit of